Welcome to this new episode of the Smart and Sustainable City podcast. In this series, we talk about urban mobility with some of the most innovative companies in this field. In this episode, we look at a startup company called Waker Tech. Waker Tech has developed many partnerships, including with Autonomo, another startup which we covered in the previous episode. Since 2016, Waker Tech has been trying to solve one of the world's biggest problems preventing fatalities due to traffic crashes. From traffic management centers, law enforcement, transit and beyond, Waker is searching for new ways to collaborate by leveraging technology to benefit the public as a whole. The Waker platform serves as a tool for government agencies to break down data silos, open new channels of communications and strategically manage resources. Waker Tech has established partnerships with many cities and organizations, and as a result, is growing rapidly. They've won multiple awards this year and are cherished by venture capitalists as a promising investment. Today, we talk with Noah Maital, founder and CEO of Waker Tech. Thanks, Pierre, and happy to be here. Uh, Noah Maital, CEO of Waker Technologies. Waker was founded in Israel, um, have uh, operations both U.S. now and uh, Israel as well, and uh, working primarily with uh, agencies, uh, state agencies and department transportation uh, across the U.S., but in the next year also in Europe and Asia as well. Waycare is really uh, building the next generation of traffic management and transportation network, looking at how we provide public transportation agencies the technologies and tools to be able to take all the data that they have from their infrastructure but combine it with all this vast amount of information that's coming from the vehicles today as well, and using advanced analytics and both advanced machine learning and deep learning, turning that into operational insights for real-time traffic management, incident detection, and also predictive analytics as well, really as a foundation for how we start thinking about new mobility solutions and rebuilding our, our transportation network from a technology perspective. So Waycare Tech is really a B2B business and it's a software platform? Uh, it's actually, we work with B2G. Uh, so we work with the government agencies and we are a SaaS-based platform. Uh, we are in a way working also B2B by connecting with a lot of our data partners um, and Autonomo being one of them as well. So you collect information from all around the city and you aggregate that to make sense of that information for the city or for potential private customers? Yeah, let's let's drill down and give an example of it. So uh, we, let's look at the world of, of uh, accidents and crashes. So today, the process of responding from a city perspective to an accident is really a manual or semi-manual process. A uh, 911 in the U.S. at least uh, is a call is received, and that triggers the response to the incident um, from the authorities. Or the other option is that the operator sitting in what's called a traffic management center will look at thousands of cameras and then identify manually an incident and start the response. So what Waycare has done is automated this process by taking vast amount of data from all the sources I mentioned. So whether it's the infrastructure of the traffic signal, the cameras, the the sensors on the road or the vehicle data uh, in combination. So it could be uh, navigation partners like Waze, where you have a two-way data partnership, uh, telematics partners, and all the way down the stack to the OEM as well, and partners like Autonomo on the marketplace side, where we pull contextual driver behavior around harsh braking, acceleration, swerving, and other types of rich data sets that in context, when synthesized and we're applying our, our AI on it, we're able to start identifying 
anomalies as they occur. And those anomalies are surfacing up essentially incidents that are happening on the road automatically to an operator to trigger a response. And doing that as, as an example in cities, we've been able to reduce that identification time of the incident by over nine minutes, which is really dramatic when you think about clearance time, uh, getting someone to the hospital within that golden hour. Uh, and so that's one example of the application of how we're synthesizing these data sets, applying our analytics and turning it into operational tools in the day-to-day -day arsenal of uh, traffic management. So you collect data from multiple sensors uh, that are brought to you. You make insight out of that data that then enables the authorities to drive actions such as transit rerouting or being able to deal with traffic conditions that is changing in a city, right? Exactly. And, and I think a, a key part there that we learned along the way is that not just collecting the data and then pushing out the insight, which is kind of driven by the AI, then there has to be a workflow, an operational workflow to get it out into the field. Um, and interestingly enough, one of the problems that exist on the city side today is that there's silos, not only within the transportation side of things, but also in the field aspect of it. So how a police communicates with the traffic agency uh, and how uh, uh, maintenance services communicates with police, communicates with fire department, communicates with the transportation agencies. All of those kind of sit in silos of technology realms and mainly are reliant still on old uh, radio communications. And so what we've done as a cloud-based platform, because we're completely agnostic to the on-premise software environment, is enable those field users to connect into those insights from the traffic management and start working together on the same cloud environment. And that's a tertiary or derivative benefit as well. So you're pushing the insight, but then you're also allowing the communication platform for the response to happen in a more uh, effective manner and, and have that back and forth communication. So give us a sense of the amount of information that is being collected and managed there in, in a city or in a, in a particular region. Sure. So uh, anecdotally, I can tell you uh, uh, one of the regions we, we, we work in is in Nevada and in Las Vegas. When you start looking at, uh, we exclude the video data, just the sensor uh, uh, and infrastructure data from within Las Vegas and Southern Nevada, uh, we're looking about 20 gigabytes of data per day. And as we started looking at the data from the vehicles that we're pulling in, and whether that's uh, the, the telematics, the OEM data, and also uh, the navigation partners, we started looking at uh, petabytes of data that are you know coming in far far surpassing the amount of data from the infrastructure itself. And so these are quantities of data that cities are not equipped to deal with, uh, and nor do they have the technologies to, to do that. And so that's where the partnerships come about because the way they've done things in the past, which has been solely based on infrastructure, doesn't match the volume of data and being able to make sense of it in real time. And, and frankly, that's where there's a lot of really strong use cases for AI is turning these vast amount of data into operational insights in a, in a quick manner and efficient manner for, for a human to be able to interact uh, and make decisions that are data-driven. That's amazing. And the cloud does give you that ability to scale and to process all of those petabytes of information. Yes, it does. And uh, I guess I don't know how familiar everyone is in, in city systems on the, on the server side, but most systems today across the world on the traffic and transportation side are still on-premise. And so I know for the private sector, we're already moved to the cloud, right? Our email's in the cloud, everything's in the, I use my, my Google Drive, everything's in the cloud. 
in government, we're still uh, on-premise mostly, and there's server rooms. Uh, and so this has been a transition for them as well, where they're no longer limited by the amount of racks they have within their server rooms or the legacy on-premise systems that have limited them. Now you're able to open up uh, virtual environments right on the cloud uh, and expand the, 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 the data sets you're taking in exponentially, not just incrementally. So the cloud from a technology standpoint does provide an incredible ability to scale. On the other hand, many cities, at least in Europe, talk about data privacy and data security. How do you ensure that the data that you process is maintained in, in the right security and privacy settings? It's a really legitimate question, first of all. And by the way, I, I think it's not just about the cloud. Uh, it's, it's in general something that has to be considered. And so as we move to the cloud, there's two things I think we need to think about. One is governments are not the first uh, on the adoption curve to move to the cloud environment. In fact, probably in the laggard stage, right? And so looking to benchmark other industries, the financial industry went through this and they went through some of the pains and look at some of the security environments that they've put up. Uh, similar to other sectors that have gone through that have sensitive data that have gone through this transformation from on-premise on systems. I think the key here is really looking at what data is needed for what purpose and uh, consent of the data as well. And so, first of all, our data, for example, we uh, use only anonymous data. We don't get into personal identifiable information. And so that enables us when we're processing the insights and, and using them in synthesis, because we're never looking at the individual data point. Uh, it doesn't provide us enough to have pro provide an insight. Uh, we're not looking at a specific person, but rather at an anonymized data point that will have a speed, uh, that will have a behavior, but not necessarily other personal identifier traits. The last thing I'll say on this is really back to what I said about the use case. Privacy is a lot about for the end consumer, the person giving up that data, knowing what that data is being used for. If I came to you and said, hey, your city is using data to target advertisements at you that'll be more efficient, you're probably not going to be too happy with that. But if I then turned around and said, hey, your, your city is actually not doing that. They're using the data to make your roads safer and give you an alert on certain areas that are, are more at risk. And your data is a key part to that. You're going to be much more open to that type of methodology and sharing of information. And I think there's a lot of examples of that like ways, right, where people came together and said, OK, I'm going to give my data, but I'm getting something in return as a community. That's part of the discussion on the privacy, I think, is really important for us to remember beyond just the security layers of compliance, which, of course, are our table stakes as well. So transparency of what the data is going to be used for is then uh, essential in driving that transaction between uh, the, the the, uh, the moving vehicles, which are sur surrendering some information, but which are gaining some services from the city. And, and the security, do you feel the security is properly offered by the cloud service providers such as Azure or AWS? If you think about it, something that was in the news, right? The, the Pentagon and some others just signed large contracts on moving some of the services to the cloud. And so if CIA and security forces are moving components of their uh, services to the cloud, I think it, it shows that we're at a place of maturity where cloud environment, it's not, it's not that it, uh, unpenetrable, but there are a lot of security systems been put in place to uh, move us forward on that. By the way, it does not eliminate the fact that there's still a risk. So in the US alone, uh, there have been many agencies and cities that have been dealing now with a wave of ransomware, uh, and that's been a serious uh, uh, issue for them.
through all those cloud providers, you can also ensure that the data meets sovereignty requirements from, from each governance because each of those cloud providers do have uh, data centers in different countries or in different places. So that data sovereignty requirement can be met, right? The sovereignty is, is the easy part. I think even the more important part is the redundancy as well. And so if data, something were to happen to an on-premise system and you had a fire, you may have backups, maybe not. Uh, you can build a lot uh, more robust redundancies in cloud environments so that you're always retaining the data even when a system uh, goes down. Waycare Tech does provide services to cities, and, and now we understand the benefit that cities can have in, in working with you to manage traffic and to adapt itself to different conditions. But you also provide services and use cases to the private sector. I see on your website, you talk about toll road management, you talk about insurance. Talk to us a little bit about some of the use cases that Waycare Tech enable for the private sector. Sure. So when you think about all of this data that's coming in from our systems and decisions that cities uh, and road operators are making, a lot of that applies to almost every vertical in the mobility space. Um, and you could look at um, you could look at ride sharing, at trucking, at towing. Many, many, many of these services that all have an interest. So one of the things that we're doing is um, adapting some of this data into data sets into APIs that are relevant. Uh, to these verticals. And so you can think of um, example uh, of towing as a one example where we're getting information around where these breakdowns are happening in the network and working with uh, the tow operators and insurance companies alike in that regard to provide earlier uh, alerts and better information on that so that they can properly provide the service to their customers and of course uh, revenue opportunities on, on the towing. That's just one example. You can extend that out to uh, many other verticals. Uh, one thing we're working on now, take trucking, for example, uh, and, and last mile deliveries. Uh, uh, you can include that as well. When they typically optimize their route on a weekly and daily basis, uh, they're taking into account uh, the traffic environment that they know of before they go out to the route, and then they optimize their deliveries accordingly. Uh, and time is money in the literal sense for them. And so what WayCare has really is the inputs and decisions that are being made while they're on the route that may impact the uh, optimization and the ordering uh, hierarchy of their priorities of the delivery. So providing that via API into their system has a real uh, significant benefit in money savings in terms of reshuffling that in real time, understanding what decisions have been made, what lanes have been closed, and based on that, uh, changing the order and priorities of delivery uh, saving both time and money for for those uh, partners. We've talked about the use cases. We've talked about Waycare Tech, but Waycare Tech's use cases are also enabled by the extended partnerships that you have developed. So you mentioned Waze. I can see that you also have partnerships with Verizon, and and you do have a partnership with Autonomo. Tell us a little bit about th that partnership and what Autonomo brings to Waycare Tech. Right. The partnership with Autonoma has been really fantastic because we both share the same vision on different spectrums of kind of working together to achieve it. So the data that's coming from the connected environment in some shape or form, you could say, is there. But the challenge is actually coalescing all these partners together. So getting OEMs to come together and not work in, in uh, individual environments and then other data environments to start synthesize and coalesce into one marketplace. That's part of Autonomous vision. 
And to Waycare, that's that's fantastic news, right? That's the type of partner we're looking for because we want to take one aggregated sort of data that's from the vehicle, one marketplace type of uh, uh, portal, and then start using that and bringing that into the uh, city environment for new insights that are coming from the vehicles. On the autonomous side, they're looking together with us on what meaningful use cases around safety, traffic safety, congestion management can we do to show the value of these data sets. And so that's really where that partnership has come together. And we've started working together uh, across the U.S. and, and other markets really to bring about new data sets into city environment they're typically not used to seeing and showing some of the results that has on improving uh, traffic management and safety on the roads as well. From a startup standpoint, you still see yourself as a startup? Yeah, I hope we continue to see ourselves as a startup. It's always uh, both a more fun environment that I enjoy working in. And, and also, I think it keeps you nimble in your thought process and less bureaucratic. So my, my hope is if we speak in uh, five years, while we'll be a much, much larger company, I'll still be able to think of us as a startup. I see you're growing rapidly. You've got quite a team on board. You've been backed by a number of uh, VCs. Where, where are you at on your journey? Uh, well, I think in terms of uh, where we are on the journey as a startup, uh, we've raised you know, several fi financing rounds uh, and have expanded our product set really over the last year and a half pretty rapidly on scaling uh, across markets. And our initial focus has been the U.S., and we're, we're scaling across uh, uh, over 10 states by the end of the year, really, uh, or early Q1 uh, and further from that. And then we're starting now to uh, aggressively open up some new markets as well in uh, Europe and Southeast Asia as well. Uh, and so it's exciting time because the team is growing. Uh, the, the product set is, is, is starting to scale. Part of the fun struggles of a startup, right, is that scaling stage, which is I think where we're, we're smack in the middle of that. Tell us about the ideal conversation with one of your target customers. Let's say a city comes to you and say, Waycare Tech, this is our problem. Can you help us? How, how would they approach you and what would be that problem that they describe to you? Interesting. That's a good question. There could be multiple things they could come, but let's, let's pick safety since I think it's relevant to today as well. And we've had a lot of these conversations. So COVID actually, interestingly, while it's had impact in all of our lives, we're starting to see data, at least in the U.S., that in the last six months, it's actually uh, traffic fatalities have gone up, surprisingly, I should say, even though congestion has gone down. And so congestion was down, but driving, uh, people have been driving faster, and that's been leading to more severe crashes. So there's one aspect of agencies and cities coming and saying, okay, how do I manage my incidents, my, my crashes today? But really what people want to know is how do I re how do I keep the safety of my residents and community uh, intact on the road? And that gets into some of our more predictive analytics solutions where we look at taking all of this data sets together in combination and start applying neural network and deep learning to predict when and where incidents are likely to occur on specific road segments. And based on that, to proactively allocate resources. So uh, one example where we're working with a police department uh, we're alerting them of specific road segments in a 24-hour time frame with, with two-hour periods, when and where incidents will, will likely occur. And then based on that, they're placing their troopers in those areas, not for enforcement, but rather for high uh, visibility. So you see the lights on, you see the police officer, you likely put your phone down, put your hands on the wheel, and the probability of the crashing occurring in that time frame, in that segment, uh, is reduced. 
And we're seeing some great results uh, from that. And that's that's a really good example where we're seeing a lot of cities and agencies come to us and ask, how do we deal with this problem that's still plaguing us during this pandemic? And how do we start taking action, not just mitigating an incident, but actually preventing them altogether? So that could actually be a, a great insight for many cities, because increasingly, I feel through the conversations that we've had is that cities become almost like living organisms that sense what's going on in the city and around them and are able or willing or wanting to adapt their structure to whatever changing conditions they have to face. In this sense, could Waker Tech be that artificial intelligence that enables the city to proactively deploy, as you say, some active measures to limit the speed or to uh, change the number of lanes on a, on a road uh, to be able to deal with changing conditions that maybe a commute could represent or a large event in a city could represent or a special weather condition could represent. Yeah, and let's let's have an eye to the future too. So think about think about what connected vehicles and autonomous vehicles even later on offer to us. What they offer is a, a opportunity to move from this one-way communication system cities have built today. So you're driving uh, in, on your road and you see a message board or you see a light and that's communicated to the car from physically from your from your body right you press the brakes and that's the end of communication between the city and yourself that's changing when you start talking about connected cars where all of a sudden the vehicle becomes a virtual sensor and it can be sharing data into a city environment with using ai you can turn that very quickly to operational insights that are predictive in nature as well but the interesting part is now you can start communicating that back out into the vehicle as well. And that creates a two-way dissemination of information that has a fortuitous cycle of opening up a whole new world of how we manage the transportation network in a proactive way. And so you can start thinking of things that, that may sound futuristic that are around the butterfly effect and things of that sort. You driving on one road segment, you can predict where you're going to go and what impact will your speed have right now on the likelihood of congestion on another. And so what measures could you take as a network, not as one specific vehicle, but zooming out to an entire city of 10 million vehicles? How do you optimize that of the whole network in terms of speed, safety, uh, congestion management, uh, et cetera, et cetera? That's the type of systems and technology that we're uh, trying to work with cities to enable them through digitalizing the network and bringing new data sources and also using AI as the backbone technology for that. Is your system able to discriminate the traffic based on uh, the type of vehicle? So, you know, to recognize that maybe there are city vehicles, there are private vehicles, and to be able to understand the flow of traffic based also on the type of vehicles that are going through the roads, whether they're buses, trucks, city vehicles, or private tourist vehicles? Uh, to, to some extent, yes. So, it, you know, it depends on what data sources we're, we're getting. So, for example, with navigation providers, uh, we won't have that uh, dissemination of information and it'll be more of a, a probe data point. Um, with camera-based, of course, you have the ability with computer vision to start analyzing that and tagging that type of information. Uh, and then data that gets from the OEM, it, it also kind of depends on, on what source. What we also have the ability to do post-analysis on is looking at the behavior of a data point to understand what it, what type of it, what type of uh, vehicle it represents. So, for example, a bus will likely show 
uh, a lot of acceleration and then stopping, right? Because they stop at bus stops, uh, where a private vehicle will have kind of a more flow of origin destination. And so we do a lot of characterizations of the behavior based on that, where we can start understanding what vehicle type we're looking at, what data set, and understand how to put that in context of the uh, transportation network that we're managing. Noam Maital, founder and CEO of Waker Tech. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, Pierre. Happy to be with you and chat today. Thank you for listening to the Smart and Sustainable City podcast. Don't forget to subscribe. If you're responsible for a Smart City initiative, do reach out.